Riley Reese. This is the Sophia Unfiltered podcast, where we bring together thought leaders, wellness entrepreneurs, makers, and emerging health leaders. I'm grateful to talk to these brilliant minds and share their powerful stories with you. And I especially love listening to the conversations that are led by my friend and co-host, Lauren Deitch. Lauren is a health coach, a life coach, and a counseling practitioner. She's been part of the Sophia family since the early days. We're here to have raw, unfiltered conversations because sharing your stories has the power to change lives, help others heal, and transform the way we take care of ourselves. I'll let Lauren fill you in on her guest today. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Sophia Unfiltered. I'm your host, Lauren Deitch, and today we have somebody that is just the most beautiful, perfect human and a dear friend to me, and I cannot wait to have this conversation. So I am so excited to introduce Danoel. She is all about all things nutrition, and I'm so excited for her to talk to you guys about how to support your health in positive and inclusive ways. So if you don't know, Diana is a certified nutrition specialist with a master of science in nutrition and in integrative health. She owns her own private practice, working with clients to optimize their health and well-being with an emphasis on creating healthy relationships with food. She is also a certified integrative and holistic health coach, as well as a yoga instructor and one of the most beautiful humans I have ever met in my life. Most importantly, she has a passion for healthy living and food and teaching others that it doesn't just have to be good, but it can also look and taste good. Diana, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm so excited. You know, when um, it's your birthday and people sing you happy birthday and you just like awkwardly have to sit there and listen to people singing to you. That's the way that I feel (laughs) right now. (laughs) You're like, everyone's staring at me while they're listening. (laughs) I love, I love it. It's just so funny too, because it's like, yeah, I am all those things. And you're like, yeah, the list could go on. I'm, you know, a wife, a dog mom, a cat mom, all these beautiful things. And it's like, here's just the need to know for right now. I, I put in the work, but it still feels awkward to be, have it read at me. Yeah. That, that's super relatable. So we'll let you tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of your background and how you came to be this beautiful human that just helps others live their best life. Yeah. So um, I studied uh, anthropology in college. Um, I think I just always had this understanding that like I just had to do college. It didn't really matter what I studied. And so I went for something that I was really passionate about. And then I graduated and I was like, oh, I have to like make money. (laughs) So um, (laughs) I had a, you know, a major panic moment. I decided that I wanted to be a yoga instructor. I went to Costa Rica. I did a wonderful six week immersive 200 hour yoga certification program. I got back to the States and that was my moment of realization that studios only want to hire you if you've done their teacher training program. So I just felt like really lost. I didn't know what to do. But I had always had a passion for food and, you know, growing up in like a very medical household, it was something that had always interested me. And that was when health coaching had started to become sort of popular, um, or at least was something that had been talked about. And so, you know, again, it was like, okay, what am I going to do? I kind of had this vision for my life where health, nutrition, yoga was a part of it. So I enrolled in 
Institute of Integrative Nutrition. I became a health coach. It was a year long process. I was kind of teaching yoga on the side. I was doing health coaching, but I was also a server at a restaurant to kind of make ends meet, you know, finding my way in my early 20s and going through some transitions. And I remember this so vividly. I, I was feeling very lost. I didn't really know what to do with health coaching. I loved the program, but I wanted more science so that, you know, like, Whenever I would ask someone a question, I was like, but why? Like I was the three-year-old that was like, but what, but why? Why does that work? How does that work? And I, so I, I had gone to a yoga class and I had run into a girl that I went to high school with and we were just chatting and I, you know, had asked her what she was doing. And she said that she was going to get her master's in nutrition. And it was like, all of the light bulbs went off. A ton of bricks hit me. And I just had this moment of realization that like, that's what I needed to do. I needed to go back to school and get my master's in nutrition. And so I started doing prereqs, you know, because I had studied anthropology, which was like, I didn't do any of the real science classes. So I had to go redo those, (laughs) which was a wake up call for me. Mm -hmm. But then I realized I had this, you know, like a lot of nutrition is sort of working with people after the disease has hit and being in a hospital and tube feeding people. And I didn't, that was just never, I never wanted to work in that space. So I found um, a master's program that was focused on integrative nutrition and health and really helping people before they get to that point. So the two-year program, I loved it. It was like everything that I wanted and, you know, jumping out of that. I sort of was, had my own private practice, did health coaching. I worked in, um, weight loss, which was, you know, again, something that I didn't really want to do, but I learned so much. And I think it's just all led me to this point where I just have a clear vision of how I like to practice. And I've worked with literally thousands of people at this point. So yeah, I guess that's the long winded story of how I got here. But it feels like, you know, I mean, I just remember when I was 22 and being like, what am I going to do with my life? And I feel like it all led to this point in a really perfect way, even though along that path were a lot of stumbling blocks and a lot of moments of me not being able to sleep because I didn't know what to do. And I was felt so lost, but here I am. Well, and I just feel like it's so relatable because especially in Western society, we have these like expectations that we've absorbed or set for ourselves or have culturally picked up along the way where it's like, no, like you're going to pick one thing and do that until you retire and then figure out your life. And I just feel like there's so much to impact on like your personal journey that is so relatable to people who are currently navigating not only like what season of life they're in, but how to optimize their health. So let's first start with something that you mentioned. And it's been my experience too, because like you, I went to Institute for Integrative Nutrition. I was like, holy crap, like everything here clicks this alliance. I know this is like an inner knowing, but it's against everything that I've like absorbed or grew up with these notions around food, health, wellness, everything else. So one of the things that stood out to me in your story is like along the way, you had gotten your yoga certification, but then there was a lot of gatekeeping around like where you could actually utilize that. And I feel like that translates so well in the health and wellness world, because there does seem to be a lot of gatekeeping on like who has accessibility to what and how and when it's like, Oh, the mom, you know, with the two and a half year old toddler, it's like, well, I'll focus on my health during when they're in school, kindergarten or whatever. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of 
how you've evolved past the gatekeeping and been able to integrate and personalize your approach to making health and wellness attainable at any season of life. Oh my gosh, that is, I'm, yes, absolutely. I think, and it's so interesting because there's gatekeeping in, in all and everywhere. You know, like there's gatekeeping against health coaches because people are very protective over their profession, you know, and then there's gatekeeping for people trying to like, there's just, it's just gatekeeping everywhere kind of, it feels like. And one thing that I'm super passionate about is that you don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to, you know, like sometimes I think being healthy can feel like a full-time job and it shouldn't like it. I think all have uh, the ability to be healthy and to live our best lives. I think it starts with a lot of grace, you know, like if you have four kids and you're working full time and you have a small house, it's going to look different than someone who is retired and is living alone. Like those are going to be different experiences, but I truly believe that everyone has this ability. So again, I think giving yourself grace, meeting yourself where you're at is huge. When I was doing a lot of this stuff, I lived in an apartment with the tiniest kitchen. You know, I wasn't shopping at Whole Foods. I still don't shop at Whole Foods because it's too expensive. <laughs> I really truly believe that this is, it should be accessible to everyone. And a lot of that, I think is personalized, you know, figuring out what works in your lifestyle. So maybe that's finding some time on a Sunday evening and meal prepping snacks or working with your partner to say, Hey, I need 45 minutes in the afternoon to go on a walk. And then I can take care of the kids. I think maybe it's reaching out to a health coach to have, or, you know, a nutritionist to have someone work with you to say, Hey, here are recipes, here are ideas, that kind of stuff. But I do think that a lot of it is like looking at your life, figuring out small steps that work for you rather than saying, okay, well, I have to work out seven days a week for an hour and then only eat salads because one, that sounds miserable. You're going to feel like shit (laughs) and it's just not functional. Like no one who can do that. So I think giving yourself grace, meeting yourself where you're at and finding small little changes in your life is much more impactful than going for perfection. Do you agree? What do you think about that? Oh, 100%. Well, and I just feel like it it goes back to these like expectations just really are dangerous when we aren't aware of where they're coming from or why. And to your point, it's like we've been taught that it's all or nothing in every facet of our lives all or nothing with school, all or nothing with parenting, all or nothing with dieting, all of the different aspects of health. It's like, why well, can't just work out, you know, three times a week, I have to work out seven days a week with no off days, and I can never get ill or need more sleep or anything ever. And I just feel like to your point, it's like most people don't look to make a change and get off of this wheel of expectation until there is dis-ease, inflammation, or something that forces them to. It's kind of this notion of being reactive rather than proactive. And I feel like so much of every person I've talked to who takes a more whole, individualized, personalized approach to their own well-being has had to learn this themselves because we aren't taught this in school. And most of us don't have an upbringing where they're prioritizing a child, learning how to make the best choices available, even if they're on free and reduced lunch at a public school, or even if they've got the most affordable options at the grocery store, which may not be the most nutritious. So, you know, it's like, we can't all afford to live this 
five-star celebrity aspect, Instagrammable salads every day type of lifestyle that where it's like, well, maybe one day. Absolutely. I was also, that just made me think too, that there's also so much fear mongering, you know, like I think that if you can eat organic, that's wonderful and great, but like you shouldn't fear eating vegetables and fruit if you can't afford organic. It's okay to just have conventionally grown fruits and vegetables. It's okay for buying buying frozen fruits and vegetables. It's okay for buying canned fruits and vegetables. You know, I was thinking too about like going to work out memberships to studios. Can we just talk about how expensive? (laughs) So expensive. So expensive. Like talk about gatekeeping, you know? And then I was thinking about like, it's okay. Like if you go on a 20 minute walk in the mornings, in some ways, that's the best thing that you can do for your health. It doesn't have to be going to a spin class and paying $250 a month. You know, like it can be going on a walk in your neighborhood. Absolutely. And there's so much science coming out now that says that that early morning exposure to light and just walking and being outside, the science coming out behind walking, I just like find, I feel so validated because like that was how I first started my health journey is when I got my dog, I was like, oh shit, like I'm not prepared for this level of physical activity. Working dog meant I'm working, not him. And so it was like walking was how we started. And honestly, walking is like a fundamental aspect of my routine because it helps my anxiety. Like it's great for me physically and the dog, but having a real conversation, it's my anxiety that benefits the most from it. And I don't have to, you know, there is a beautiful hot yoga studio near my house and it's wonderful to go and just move and 98 degrees, but I can't do that every week. I can't afford it. Absolutely. And I so hear you on the anxiety piece. I think that there was a really big shift for me. We were talking earlier about how being in our thirties, I think has given us this freedom to like, let go of things. And one of those for me was in my early twenties, I was exercising as a way to get a certain body type or because I felt like you know, I think it really was it was for a certain body type. And now exercising my 30s, I'm like, no, this is for my mental health. Well, and I feel like it goes right back to that like reactionatory mindset that so many people approach, not just health and wellness, but their life with where it's like, no, I got to get this type of external validation in my career. I have to get this type of body type because that's what's desirable for my desired partner. I got to get this type of nutrition because that's what so-and-so says they eat. So it's like, oh my gosh, like we could you imagine what the world would look like if we learned this as children or like started having exploratory conversations around the why, right? Like you were like, I am that person that is constantly questioning. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I was the person in math class that was like, I'm sorry, I don't understand why. Why do I have to do it that way? I also low key hate math and it's a reason behind my anxiety, but oh my, okay, the anxiety for math. <laughs> could put me into a tailspin. I know it's real. I'm just glad that my husband is like better at that. I'm like, cool. Yin and yang. I'm glad that you stay in your lane with that. Don't come at me with this. Like, nope. I was actually, when I first started dating my husband, I was taking a chemistry class and I hated it. I hated it. And I would not go to this class that I had to go to, to get my master's degree. And he would wake up with me at 6am and come and sit with me in class to make sure that I would go to class, which is like so sweet. The best advice I can give is marry someone who has different strengths than you. 100%. I know. It's like, I always laugh when people are like, marriage is 50, 50. And I'm like, no, marriage is like understanding that you and your partner are going to 
share the leapfrogging that is someone's going to know more and the other person's going to have to grow to reach that. And then it's just constant <laughs> leapfrogging. <laughs> Which is amazing. And I love that. I love that view of marriage. <laughs> right? All those years of therapy have really started paying off. And this is where I've gotten to. <laughs> yep. Welcome to our 30s. But I feel like, th- like, even in that example of like math, right? Like with fear mongering, it's like, the things that we do not know are the things that we fear the most for so many different, we could go off on a tangent about the psychology behind that. But I just feel like when we put it simply, nutrition is something we don't know. We're not taught it. Most of us don't have the privilege of like having conscious parents that really instill that. It's like convenience, right? Convenience, priorities around finances, whatever it might be. And I just feel like especially my own experience with changing my lifestyle and my relationship with food was like, I didn't know what I didn't know. And once I started exploring it, I was pissed because I was like, it felt like such an injustice. And I was like, wow, like if I would have just known this sooner, I wouldn't have had hives or been on pregnazone or had these like signs of inflammation that I thought were just like, oh no, I just overate at the hibachi grill. Like, no. That's like, actually, you're allergic to that. That's a sensitivity. And it's like, there's just so much fear around it. So I'd love to just have you kind of expand on that. Because I feel like so many people are so easily pulled into fad diet culture, because it takes away the unknown, which you and I both know is an illusion. (laughs) Because just waiting for somebody to tell you what to eat is still not uncovering anything. So yes, speak to us more on like the nutritional aspect and the fear around it and how somebody can begin to ask for support, like your husband taking you to like (laughs) class for masters or like, you know, the different steps that they can take. Yeah. I think that's a really good question. And I will say too, that a lot of times when I work with people, the biggest thing that they come to me and say is that like, they've heard this, they've heard this, they don't know what's true. They don't know how to eat for themselves. They're confused. They're like freaked out because they don't want to do the wrong thing. And I really want to acknowledge, first of all, that just, I truly think that the majority of us want to do the right thing for ourselves. Like, I think we we have that internal motivation and it gets really confusing, especially I think in today's age where you have an influencer who's like, you should do keto. And you have an influencer who's saying that you should do the carnivore diet, which I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about. We can get on that later, but it's confusing and it's hard. And you have so many different studies that point to one way of eating it is better than another way of eating and fad diets and fad diets that get recirculated. You know, like Atkins to me is not that different from what we're seeing in today's age with all this low carb stuff. And one thing that I really pretty much say to everyone is that we cannot just get rid of a macronutrient group and any diet, I'll explain what macronutrients are for anyone who doesn't know, but any diet that is telling you to just not eat a certain macronutrient to me in my eyes is like a hard no-go. So macronutrients are protein, fat, carbohydrates, and they're necessary. You need these foods in your diet. There are certain physiological responses and things that need to happen from eating carbohydrates, protein, and fat, and you cannot optimize your health without these. So for me, any diet that is extreme on either side is just like, those are really bright, shining, flashing red flags. 
And I really align in the middle, like old school advice of, you know, have some protein, not too much, have some carbohydrates. If you can lean more towards like whole grains, whole foods, that's great. If you're going to have a pumpkin cookie because it's Halloween, that's wonderful. That's okay. You know, and then getting some healthy fats along with like fruits and vegetables, eating the way that your grandparents ate, but, but not in such an obsessive way, because I see that as well of like people trying so hard to be perfect again, kind of coming back to that, like perfection that I think that becomes unhealthy, you know, but in terms of fad diets and knowing what to ask for, and especially depending on what your childhood is like, I think one thing that's really important as well is that we're all very individual and what works for me might not be healthy for you. You know, like you were saying that you have certain allergies that like I probably don't have. And so that might be, is unhealthy for you, but like is totally fine in my diet. So I also think it's so important to look at who are you getting advice from, especially on social media? Like where is your information coming from? And how are you making decisions about your body? Where is that information coming from? I think is so key. And if anything stands out to you as being really extreme right or left, it's probably a sign that you shouldn't do it. (laughs) 100%. And like extreme, like, oh, like lose X amount of weight in seven days. Oh, I can't. I cannot. Do this. It's like, that's extreme. And like... Like even like time or energy or like how much money something's going to cost. Like to your point, if internally something feels like that is extreme to you, that's probably a red flag, not just about what you're considering implementing into your life, but also it's a red flag for yourself. Like your body knows more than we give it credit for. And so whether it's out of alignment with like your finances, your time, your lifestyle, pay attention to the red red flags because there's a reason why that is not going to work. And I think too, to your point, like something you said as like you were speaking just stood out to me, which I feel like is a key to living well is self-awareness. Like you have to be aware of the realities of your life and what your values and your priorities are. Because when we can look honestly at ourselves and even if it is just a like vulnerable self-reflection, we can really truly see what's not going to work for us. So many people want to get started on these nutritional diet plans where it's like you're only eating X or Y or getting rid of A and C. And it's just completely unsustainable with their actual priorities. When I was a school teacher, I remember watching so many of my colleagues try to do these like crazy fad diets or like to lose weight and stuff. And it's like, that's not sustainable. What happens when it's back to school night? What happens when it's the weekend? What happened? Like all of these whys, right? Like, why would you do that? That's not sustainable. And I just feel like there's so much knowledge in looking at like, it's okay if your priority is time. Like if you can only meal prep, like you said, if you can only meal prep snacks for the week, kick ass, just meal prep the snacks for the week and figure the rest out with how you live your life. Totally. I recently saw something that was like your sustainable diet. I'm going to use diet in the sense of like what we're eating long-term, not as a fad diet should be something that can carry you through holidays, Halloween, traveling, your birthday, you know, when you're stressed, like this should be something that you can do no matter what season of life you're in. 
And one thing that I think is a good question to ask, like, can I see doing what I'm doing now in two years time? Can I eat the way that I'm eating in two years time? Can I do this for two years? And if the answer is no, that's probably a pretty good sign that this isn't sustainable. You know, like, I feel like I've really found a way of eating for me that like, like when I go on a trip, maybe I have an extra glass of wine or like an extra dessert, but it really doesn't vary that much from when I eat at home or, you know, like I'm able to just sort of eat, which I think is a blessing. And it's something that I've worked really hard for, you know, but like there is no on off. It's just saying goodbye to that, which I'm not going to sit here and say that that's easy. I think it's really, really hard, but I think it's so worth the work. Oh, 100%. And I think too, it's like, we change. So like, to your point, our nutritional diet lifestyle, it starts with a mindset shift around this way of thinking, like it can't just be a red light, green light, stop on again, off again, like type of thing, nothing works that way in the natural world. So why would we think it's gonna work for us this way? So to your point, like once we create and find different things where it's like, Hey, like I could definitely see myself doing this in two years, five years, when I have kids, when I have kids out of the house, when I'm on holiday, like it has to be something that is adaptable to your actual life. Such a valuable piece of information. You guys don't even know what you just got. We do change and grow, you know, like what I'm doing, when I say two years, it's like, okay, but in two years, I might have a kid or we might be in a different phase of our life, but like I can carry that through, you know? And I also wanted to mention with like the meal prepping snacks, to be honest, like I think spending an hour meal prepping snacks on a Sunday is a lot of work. And that's phenomenal if you can do that. But if you're going to the grocery store and you're buying like fruit leather snacks or you're buying pre-made snacks, I think that that's wonderful too. You're putting in the effort and the thought to like make sure that you have snacks. And to me, that's a win. I just, I really feel like people are so hard on themselves about their life and food. And instead of making them better, it makes things so much worse. Oh, absolutely. Compassion and acceptance for what is are just two pieces that are so rarely considered when making nutritional changes, let alone nutritional choices. And I feel like to your point, it's so valid. I've heard from so many clients in you know, the past years where it's like, well, I'm the only one that cooks. I cook for my spouse. I cook for my children. And I'm, I don't want to make seven different meals all the different times of the day. And it's like, yeah, who would barely have enough time to feed myself and my animals, let alone like other human beings. And some of which who are adults, like if I wanted to be a chef, I would have been a chef. Again, we come back to this expectations around nutrition, where it's like, when did we become cool with one person being the sole, like, maker of all of the things like the nutritional choices, the preparation, the cleanup. And it's like, that's a conversation. Like we've got to have conversations around these expectations. Do they actually fit into your family and your personal life or do they not? And to your point, we're all different. We are individuals. My future kid might have a completely different dietary preference, let alone need than myself. My husband and I can barely eat the same stuff. And when we tried, it was like, yeah, no, 
Like I tried to do the meal prepper. I was like, I'm going to be the best wife ever. And I'm going to meal prep everything for me and for you. Okay. Burnout immediately. Resentment immediately. And it's like, he's an adult man. He can feed himself. He made it this far without me babysitting his food. He could do it for himself. And it's like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta have preferences about this. If you want to make a change, it's not your partner's responsibility to make a change or your family's responsibility to make a change. So what would you say okay. to a client that comes to you yes. with this? I think, so this is, this is, it's funny because I like a million times. Yes. And this is coming from someone who like, I feel like I enable my husband in this, you know, like a little, I'm yeah. sure a lot of women can resonate, resonate with this. And it's so funny because I like, I think grace and compassion are so important for making changes. And also there is this space for holding yourself accountable. You know, I think a lot of times people make a million excuses for themselves or for their family. I've worked with so many people who are like, I can't do this. I can't do that because of my husband, because of my kids, because of this, because of that, because, you know, my birthday's coming up. I'll start after Christmas. I'll start January 1st. I'll start in the summer. Like we've heard this a million times, you know? So grace, compassion, and also holding yourself accountable, you know? finding what works. So like for what works for our family, I'm a vegetarian. My husband's a meat eater. He wants to eat meat. That's great. I do a lot of the cooking because I love it. There's no resentment there. And then also like, I like picking what we have for dinner. (laughs) So it works for me, you know, but then he gets to make himself meat. Like that's okay. He can make himself meat on the side. And I think that it's, this is where the self-awareness comes from. This is hard work. Like I really think this can take years of figuring it out, but if you are missing a workout or you are eating something that maybe isn't the best for you, I think it's really key to ask yourself, am I missing this workout because I do really need this rest and break and recovery time? If the answer is yes, fantastic. I'm so happy that you listen to yourself and that you're honoring your needs. If the answer is no, I just don't want to do it. I think that there has to be like a little kick out the door, you know, a little bit like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And it's this idea of like, there's such a fallacy around like, well, I'm just not motivated, or it's just not the wrong time. And to your point, self awareness and accountability of self, it's, it's really a question of priorities. Like, are you prioritizing how you feel in this moment? And if that is honorably and truthfully, like, yeah, no, like, I need some time to take a break. Love it. Do you great choice. But if the priority is, mm, I have some chores I could do. Mm, I want to binge the show. Mm, I, like if you're prioritizing things or like you and I have said before, like coming up with excuses to not do these things that you say are valuable to you, then it's time to have an honest self-reflection moment where it's like, are these choices that I'm trying to implement are they values and priorities or are they just things that I want? Yes. And it's that, I mean, that's not an easy thing to ask yourself. And I think, you know, again, it comes down to like really where I feel like health nutrition needs to be is in this gray area and not the black and white, because, you know, there's a lot of people who are like just in the grace and compassion area. And then there are those people who are like, never miss a Monday sweat is fat crying, you know, like all of those really toxic things. And I think it can be in the middle. It can be like, yes, grace and compassion, hold yourself accountable. What are your goals? Is this really important to you? And I also think it's like, you know, things can change. I think it's really hard to prioritize everything. You can't prioritize healthy relationships, healthy food, exercising, 
sleep, work. So maybe you're picking two at a time and you kind of fluctuate through those. Like for me, a couple months ago, it was really my relationships and exercise. And right now, honestly, it's a little bit more like work and sleep. Like I'm really prioritizing my sleep, but I'm honest with myself that like, you know, Hey, my cardio isn't what it was three months ago. And I think I'm okay with that. I'm still exercising. I'm still doing things, but it is an honest conversation of like, I don't have a valid excuse here. I just don't feel like it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think that to your point, if there is one thing that I hope our listeners take from our conversation is that no matter how you are trying to improve your life, your health, your well-being, it will change over time, but the value stays the same. If you value your health, excellent. How are you valuing it with your choices? And to your point, in this season, I'm valuing it with prioritizing my sleep. In the season two months ago, I was prioritizing it with moving my body with intensity through cardiovascular workouts. Like the value stays consistent, but how you execute that is what changes and adapts over time. And I think that when we're looking at nutritional choices, that's so easily translatable. I mean, like who would have thought... (laughs) That like after the, you know, the pandemic and all this stuff that we were going to be seeing the prices of things go the way that they are. And somebody who may have been living in the gray of like, hey, I make relatively good choices and this fits our budget, this fits our lifestyle. They're being forced to make that gray a different shade now. So it is going to be different. Absolutely. And also like another thing about like, we make these through small choices. I would so much rather someone make lots of small healthy choices than being like like for example if you're prioritizing sleep it isn't going to look like i'm going to sleep for 24 hours and then not get any sleep the rest of the week it's going to be i'm getting seven to nine hours of sleep a night and i think that people just go so big when they are trying to make changes and you can't keep that up so it's like small choices that i think really add up and help people to stay sustainable stay focused on their health and keep that priority going no matter what season of life you're in. You know, exactly what you're saying. Like, it's just these small changes with that focus on health and deciding what am I prioritizing today? But we know that no matter what that is, there's a focus on yourself. Absolutely. And I think too, it's for our listeners who are kind of taking this as like the fire hose example, like, holy shit, they're giving us a lot of information in this. <laughs> It's like, no, 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 like just do exactly what Diana just said. Like, this is what's called the compound effect. So like people like John Maxwell talk about this and they're different speaking engagements and books, but essentially it's consistency compounding over time. We live in a society that talks about how we want things immediate, right? Hence seven day detox or like, you know, three day fat burning but boosting workout, whatever it's called. <laughs> Which doesn't exist. That's what they're called. It's that's awesome. literally what they're called. And it's like, <laughs> we want it now, right? There's a reason why fast food is a really great business because people are like, nope, I'm hungry now. Vending machine, boom. Like people want things immediately. And that's great for that instant gratification. However, when we're talking about cultivating changes, mindset changes, health changes, physical changes, the consistency of small things compounding over time is really what makes that change. And from a really easy, simplified point of view, the compound effect book, great, read it, love it, super great. 
the compound effect is simply saying like small things add up over time. Like if I pick up a penny on the street, I have a penny just that day. But if I pick up a penny every single day for 30 years, I have a shit ton of money. And it's like, you know, like we, we think about things in the immediate instead of the long term because we want to see results now. And you can always appreciate somebody who wants something really badly and is like willing to do the extremes. And at the same time, you could be like, hey, when we're cultivating a big amount of things that we want to look good for the now and the later, it's going to be small changes. Like I've been laughing my ass off about like on social media, there's like constantly some new water bottle or tumbler or different thing for people to stay hydrated. And I'm just like, that's cool that you bought the new $40, $70 tumbler or the water bottle that's got the numbers on the side or like whatever it is. However, are you consistently drinking the water that you said you wanted to drink? Or did you just buy an immediate tool thinking it would solve your problems? Yes, so much. Yes. I always tell people that I'm like, this isn't sexy. Like, don't come to me because you want the sexy, fun, like, journey of the 30 days, whatever fat loss. Like, honestly, it's not sexy. Like, this is, (laughs) it's just, it's these small little changes and holding yourself accountable. You know, if buying the fun water bottle works for you, that that's great. But like you said, like, are you actually drinking it? It's not sexy. This isn't sexy stuff. It's just not. It's true. I mean, just like how we have like these illusions of like, oh, we can control all of these things and like we can fight aging and we can do all these things. Like at the end of the day, like you are still aging. Like at the end of the day, you are still changing. And we have to start looking at our relationship with ourselves, the way that we feed ourselves, the way that we care for ourselves as a changing process. And it can't just be reactionatory. I think that one of my favorite things that you said at the start of our conversation where was like, most people come to you or seek additional help and support once there is a problem. And that's a lack of that mindset around the compound effect where it's like, yeah, you made a bunch of really immediate choices and now you're bankrupt. Your body is bankrupt. Your nutritional like stuff has been foreclosed on. So now we've got to start from the ground up. A fast fix isn't going to get you out of there. It's just going to buy you a little bit of time it ultimately ends you back where you started. I also really want to emphasize that this is not being selfish. I think a lot of times people are feel like they can't spend this time on themselves because it's being selfish or you know they want to take care of others first. And I cannot reiterate enough that if you are not taking care of yourself, you cannot support anybody else. It's like you know, that there's that saying of you can't pour from an empty cup. And I, one of my favorite sayings, we cannot be good mothers, wives, husbands, friends, partners, daughters, sons, whatever, if we're not taking care of ourselves, you know, like if you aren't taking care of yourself, someone else has to come in and take care of you. So I think that spending time on your health is one of the best ways that you can then support the people you love. I was in the yoga class and the teacher was talking about how distorted the words are selfless and selfish and being selfless. Like if you think about that, like selfless, that should not be the goal of not having a self, you know, right. Less um, self. That should right. Like that. No, like that's not the goal here. And I think no one is saying that you should be self-absorbed and only think about yourself. But I, I really, I mean, I, so many people have come to me and have been like, I really want to make these changes. And I feel like 
I have to take care of my husband first. I have to take care of my dog first. I have to do these things. But for me, you know, holding those boundaries is so important because then I am a better wife. I am a better dog mom. I'm a, you know, happier person that then can show up for the people that I love. So I really also want to emphasize that doing this work is not selfish. If anything, it's the best way that you can give back to the people that you love. Absolutely. And I think too, it's a really big indicator for somebody's value system. They value the people who are most important in their life. Okay. Stick with that. How are the choices that you're making supporting that value? And to your point, like your health is an investment into that value. And if you're not investing consistently with your small choices over time, eventually you're not going to have anything left to pay. You can't pour from an empty cup. We've all heard these sayings, but I just feel like people let their mindset control their choices sometimes as opposed to really taking that ownership of what it is. And to your point, it's like, you value these people. You'll do whatever it is for them as a reflection of your love and value in these people that you are just so fond of. And I just feel like without your health, you can't do that. You are not going to be able to care for your children if you're so ill that you're going to have to hire somebody or whatever it might be. And I think that so many people are like, myself included, we very much have taken our health for granted over the years. And I think that the pandemic might have illuminated some people to the fragility that is our health. But I also feel like some of us, it just created more fear. And so I think so much of your practice and so much of your passion is helping individuals understand that it is attainable at any stage of fear, enlightenment, whatever it might be. And so, like you said, starting small with just one small step and doing it consistently every day and making sure to ask yourself, can I do this on a vacation? Can I do this while traveling? Can I do this with or without children? Can I do this in retirement? Can I do this on the weekend? And having those honest conversations. Oh, such powerful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I also like Lauren and I are not saying that every choice has to be perfect. Like, I think we're saying the opposite of that, you know, like, like maybe the healthiest choice for you in that moment is sitting down for dinner with your family and eating a delicious bowl of pasta. That's the healthy choice that you're making is instead of eating dinner at your desk, working, shoveling food down, you're stepping away, you're eating dinner with your family, you're having garlic bread and pasta. Like that could be the healthiest choice. You know, these are not choices out of perfection. These are small little daily choices that really add up to a healthy life. And a healthy life is more than just the physical. It's emotional, mental, all of this stuff that is included in our health. You know, like I would not say that someone who is afraid to eat pasta or like can't go out with friends because they are fasting or whatever. Like I would not say that that's the healthiest person, even if physically they appear to be really healthy. And keyword here on appear because, you know, just because someone is thin doesn't mean that they are healthy. I just want to like really state that, but like, you know. <laughs> just because the diet says that it'll blast your booty in three days doesn't mean it's gonna. And the same thing can be said. Like just because it looks like an apple at the Home Depot, it's actually a piece of plastic that, and it's not an apple. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. 
And this is where nutrition is confusing. I mean, it's like we have all these things thrown at us. But I think if you could really come down to small everyday choices, you're going to be in a good spot. Small everyday choices. Yes, absolutely. So let's get into that. I know that people are going to have questions. So I'll try to relay some of the ones that you and I both know we get asked all the time. I'm ready. I know I'm I'm like thinking about like, okay, what choices are people going to make? Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I feel like one of the big things that people always come to us with is like, well, I always have a craving for X or Y. So if somebody's like coming to you for nutritional coaching or ways to make changes that support feeling more in control of their choices, as opposed to feeling like the cravings are controlling their choices, what would be a small step or a series of small steps that you would help them feel more supported in? Such a big one. I think every single person asked me this, you totally like nailed it. And this one I think is goes against what maybe a lot of people think that they would do. But one of the big things is I say is to feed your craving. Like if you are craving a chocolate chip cookie and you refuse to give yourself that chocolate chip cookie, by the time that you are in front of chocolate chip cookies, you're going to eat 12 of them. You know, because at this point, the chocolate chip cookie has become this mythical beast that holds so much power over you that you don't have any control. Whereas if you are like, you know what, I really want a cookie right now, you eat the cookie, you're satisfied. The other thing I think is really key here is, are you having these cravings because you aren't eating enough food? I think a lot of times people who have really intense, strong cravings are people who are dieting and they're under eating. And then that craving is showing up in some other food, like ice cream, cookie. I don't know. Maybe you're like a salt and vinegar kind of chip person. Obviously, I like sweet foods. Um, So I'm going for these cookies and ice creams. But I think it's really key to be like, did I eat enough? You know, if if you have evening cravings, late night cravings, a lot of times what I see in people is that they have starved themselves during the day. They eat a very small dinner and then their cravings hit. Of course, your body is starving. And you're going to look for those really quick, foods to give you energy. So when it comes to cravings, I think the worst thing that you can do is avoid the craving. I think that you eat the craving mindfully. I'm not saying if you want a chocolate chip cookie, go have 10 chocolate chip cookies. I'm saying eat a chocolate chip cookie mindfully, really enjoy that taste, move on with your day. Um, And then also really check in, am I eating enough food? Are these cravings happening because I'm under eating? Is there something else going on here that's causing this craving? you know, like when are these cravings showing up for you? Is it hormonal? Is it stress? What's going on behind that craving? And then checking in with that desire. I think are my two, I don't know if that's two and a half, maybe two and a half pieces of advice there. I love it. 2.5 tips. I think that it's great because like so many people avoid something that they think they should avoid. And it's like, hold on, ask why, right? It's like, there is a reason why your body, your mind is asking for something. So have the courage to ask why is it because I'm restricting something? Is it because I've forgotten something? And I think too, it kind of touches back to what you said at the start of our conversation around like micronutrients, where it's like, am I not eating enough things intentionally throughout my day? Am I overeating one nutrient and forgetting another. I know like it's so easy for me to under eat protein because I grew up in the nineties 
and everything was fast food, chips and instant bake and easy bake oven and like whatever it was, like everything was fast and it was like protein just wasn't a thing. And also it was like mad cow disease at the time. Everybody oh was like kind of freaking out. <laughs> It's like, there's only like so many pepperonis and Lunchables that I can eat. But I think to your point, it's like, just ask why is this because I'm energetically burnt out? And is that lack of energy coming from lack of sleep, lack of water or lack of nutrition? Is this some other aspect of my life? Like, is this an emotional piece where I'm like, people are always like, well, I love comfort food. And as a coach, I'm always like, food can't comfort. That's like, I can't just go off into my backyard garden and be like, tomatoes comfort me. Like it's okay. okay, I do comfort me. They do Lauren. They speak to me. I lay down with my tomatoes, but I agree. I mean, I think that's the other, like, is there something missing in your life? You know, like where, if food is the only thing in your life that is fulfilling for you, we need to change something, you know, like, and like, if you come home from a stressful day and you have a glass of wine, That's okay. If that glass of wine is problematic for you, or you're eating 12 cookies at the end of a stressful day, that's different from, I had a stressful day, I'm going to treat myself with this cookie. I think it's important to ask yourself, where else am I getting comfort in life? Where else am I finding fulfillment? And if it's just from food, something has to change. Absolutely. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, do I need the help to help me figure this out? Do I need to hire a nutritional coach? Do I need to speak to a therapist? Do I need to see a nutritionist? Do I need to see a dietitian? Like whatever it is, you have to have help. And I think that that's kind of the thing that so many people struggle with is they don't know the answers. So they're seeking a way to look like they have the answers rather than having a moment of vulnerability and and asking. At the start of our conversation, we talked about how there's so much fear around the health and wellness world, specifically in nutrition, we don't know what we don't know. So why are we expecting to just automatically know the things with one diet or trying something one time? We need help in navigating these things. And I think that you are always going to be your own personal authority on things, but you need help and support. I feel like My favorite story on this is when I figured out that I have a dairy allergy, I remember going to the grocery store and I got about three aisles and I just started crying in an (laughs) aisle because I was so overwhelmed with what I didn't know. I didn't know what did or didn't have dairy, milk allergens in it. And specifically, I was just grieving the loss of coffee creamer. And I just remember that somebody had just this moment of compassion. It was like this, you know, stock boy. And he came over and he was like, do you need help? And I was like, I need all of the help. (laughs) I was just like, I can't find anything that doesn't have dairy. And he's like, well, did you know that there's like a dairy free section over here? And I just remember being like, no, I didn't know. And I would have never known had I not have just asked. It can be scary to ask for help. I have problems asking for help because I, it's like, I am a very loud person and I talk a lot, but I could actually be very shy, you know? So like, yeah. I would rather do everything else besides ask for help. But I'm like, once, as soon as you ask for help, I'm like, why didn't I do that earlier? But I also wanted to say, 
touch on what you said about you are your own authority. Like, I think sometimes people come to us as the experts. I'm using air quotes here if you can't see us. Um, and yes, like we, we are, but at the same time, you're your own expert. I cannot sit here and look at Lauren and be like, she has a dairy allergy. <laughs> you know, like right. I wouldn't know that about you. I would need to work together and you to be like, Hey, I think this is what's going on from here. These are my symptoms or, you know, yourself best. And I would caution anyone listening against working with someone who can tells you what to do without you being very involved in that process. Oh, so freaking good. And I just feel like, oh man, we could have had a whole episode on that, but I'm just like, there is so much profound wisdom in that statement where it's like, if somebody is not partnering with you on you, red flag, like red flag, such a red flag. And this is also why it can take time to find that person. And I just want everyone to know, and I hope that other professionals feel this way, that if someone comes to me and we don't vibe or they don't feel safe with me, please go see somebody else. Or if you're working with a therapist and you're like, you know, this therapist just isn't for me. Listen to that. Go find someone that you do feel safe and comfortable with and can build that relationship because it is a relationship. You we're not going to get anywhere unless it's a partnership. Like you said, it's a, it has to be a partnership. Well, wholeheartedly. And I feel like that's so much of what Sophia Health is, is it's a platform that allows people to find their support. And it's, it's so silly that we're so afraid to speak up with things that don't fit. Like you would never see in a, in a department store, one size, one fit of jeans, for example, like jeans are only now made in this one size, this <laughs> one length and this one fit. And it does not matter. You will fit. And it's like, oh, yes. <laughs> why, why would we have that expectation of our primary care providers of the practitioners that we work with, let alone like the people in our lives. And it's like, the same thing could be said with nutrition. Like an apple is not going to solve all of your health conditions. It's not, it's not going to solve your problems, but it may be a solution. I mean, like I'm obsessed with honey crisp, but I, I don't need oh. to be messing around with a red delicious. I don't, it's not my thing. Same. I feel that honey crisp, honey crisp for the whim. But if you like red delicious, we support you. <laughs> I know. I'm just jealous that I can't fit it. So I love uh, that gene analogy. I think that that's such a good one because it is, it's like, we try to fit everyone into the same thing. And it's like, it can't, it just won't Like I'm a very short person. If you try to put me in my husband's jeans, like it's not going to work. And that's how with food as well. Like, you know, being vegetarian works really well for my body. I feel really good. I have a lot of energy. It's not going to work for somebody else and that's okay. And you have to figure out what does work for you and please ask for help. You don't need to do that alone, but you are the expert on your own self. And it key, it just goes right back to one of the most profound moments that led you into your passion and your career with helping people. It's like, have the courage to ask why, why doesn't this fit? Okay, cool. It doesn't fit because it's not sustainable with my lifestyle or why doesn't this make me feel better? Well, maybe I have a sensitivity to it. Why doesn't this, you know, one size fits all diet, not work with my non wise, you know, that, oh, it's just, it's wild. Have the courage to ask why, but also practice compassion, have curiosity with an open heart and understand that it's a process and it's, it's 
you know, it's one of those like cheesy cliche things. They're always like, it's not the destination. It's the <laughs> and I just feel like if there's one thing I know to be true and no matter how freaking frustrated it makes me, nutrition, my relationship with myself and my well-being, it's a journey and I just want to get to the destination, but the destination keeps changing. So yeah, there is no, there's no, de- there, I mean, destination is us being dead. I love what you said about the curiosity piece too, because I think that that is so key and also really important for the compassion part. Like if someone comes to me and they're like, Hey Diana, I had 30 chocolate chip cookies. I, there, I wouldn't be, I would be like, wow, that's really interesting. Like, what do you think led you to that moment? How did you feel? How did you feel the next day? What do you, what are your ideas for like in the future? If you're in that situation, there's no guilt or shame there because that really served. Like we don't have to answer that anymore. Let's plead. Like we're over that phase. We're done. Let's just look at this with curiosity. But truly, like I'm very curious, like what led you to that moment? How did you feel? What happened? What do you think about next time? You know, like that's the curiosity piece. Absolutely. I know. Like as you were describing this, I'm like so many of, uh, like, I don't know if our listeners are fully aware of this, but I feel like the longer I stay on the journey, the more like I have these revelations from like, oh man, I know on social media right now, it's like, there's a lot of conversation around like how eighties and nineties culture was very toxic when it came to relationship with nutrition. It was like, there was like an image of like a cartoon where it's like food in the fridge is like judging you for your choices. And I sometimes feel like people still live their life like that. Like, like they're in the grocery store or they're looking at the items that are in the fridge for their family. And they're like, Oh, the 30 chocolate chip cookies are going to judge me. And it's like, just ask some questions. Did you poop weird? Did you get a stomach? (laughs) Like there is no, there is no judgment. There is no shame. And again, if you feel like there is probably the wrong fit, find somebody else who can support you in that because you need it. There is like food isn't, you know, talking to you. It's not judging you. You're creating those. So I love it. I feel like our whole conversation today has been about like the big why behind nutrition. And I hope that our listeners can just take from that, that there are people out there that want to support you with the why, and they want to support you on finding and exploring and experimenting with how do I continue to operate at my highest level that's in alignment with my values? And how can nutrition support me do that? Because I'm sorry to break it to you, but there is a connection, listeners, to how we eat with the choices that we make and the values that we prioritize. Yes. And, you know, I mean, we have one life. So it's like, how do you want to spend it? How do you want to live it? And I just want people to know that it is absolutely within your reach to do these things. And it does not have to be glamorous and glorious and sexy. It can be small things like I'm going to have a glass of water before I drink my coffee. And it's okay to go to the bathroom. It is okay to say, Hey, listen, I need five minutes because I got to go pee. I know. You know? It blows my mind. I'm like, we're natural living things. Like I would never tell my rose bush, like, Whoa, you cannot bloom today. I am not about that. I know. Right. Like you take care of your body in terms of like, I just remember when I was on a plane and I was on the middle seat. Um, and the plane was delayed and I'd had a big glass of water right before we left or like a water bottle or whatever. And I sat in that seat because I was so uncomfortable to get up and go pee that I, I truly felt I was like, I'm going to die because my bladder explodes. And I was almost ready to die on that plane with my, 
You're like, I'm either going to die or pee on myself. And I, that was a, on a truly was a turning point in my life where I was like, I will never do that again. Like, I will be like, I need to go pee. So you're going to have to wait for me for 30 seconds. 100%. And it's like, I know I've, uh, it's just with going pee and drinking water, right? It's like, I've had clients come to me and they're like, well, it's not realistic. And I'm like, I get it. I was a teacher for 10 years. I could not leave a bunch of 12 and 13 year olds unattended for the four minutes it would take. So I had to play it on my water where it was like, cool, I got to like really get it in in the morning before my classes start. And then I got to really hit it hard at the end of the day, (laughs) the rest of the evening. Such a good example. And like you made it work. You figured out how to drink water throughout your day. And I think that that can be, that is such a perfect example of like, for me, I drink water throughout my day because I don't have kids. I'm not a teacher. You know, like I can go to the bathroom whenever I want to go. It was difficult for you. You still made it work. And I just, I want everyone to know that like modify, change things up, do what you need to do, make small choices, prioritize your needs in whatever way that looks like in your life. I love it. And I think that that's a beautiful place to end our episode today. (laughs) You are the person that is in control adapt it, create sustainability, make the best choices that align with your value system and find the right people to support you on the changes that you are trying to implement. Diana, I love you. And I'm just so glad that you spent some time with us today. Thank you so much. If our listeners want to connect with you, how do they find you? Um, so I'm on Instagram. I don't have a TikTok. I refuse to get one. I do have an Instagram. It's Diana uh, underscore wild, W-E-I-L. Same thing for my website, dianawild.com. Um, yeah, I would love to hear from you guys. I would love to be the one to support you. And truly, this has just been so fun. So thank you for having me. Laura and I adore you. I think we could talk for like five hours. To be I know. We'll just have like a mini <laughs> series of us like going through <laughs> the problems that we've faced ourselves and had our clients then reflect it back to us <laughs> to improve in our own lives. We've got so much. I mean, we have so much content here. I know. It's juicy. It's a juicy one. <laughs> All right, Diana, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Sophia Unfiltered, a podcast by Sophia Health. I'm your host, Lauren Deitch. If you're interested in connecting to wellness professionals that can offer one-on-one support, visit sophiahealth.com or connect with us, our community, and providers anytime on social. If this episode resonated with you at all, we'd love to hear about it in the comments section of your favorite podcast provider or with a five-star rating. Let us know what your biggest takeaway was from the episode or share it with someone you hope to inspire. Join us again next time for more real conversations, stories, and insights that help empower you with the knowledge and inspiration needed to transform the way we take care of ourselves.